In the name of Jesus, amen. If you ever uh, pass me on the highway, well, first, you're probably going really fast, because <laughs> I drive pretty quickly. Uh, but if you ever pass me on the highway and you notice me uh, speaking, talking, uh, uh, even rather excitedly, even though there's no one else in the vehicle with me, it might be because I'm in the midst of a hands-free telephone conversation. Or it may be that I'm practicing a pregame speech. You know, the kind that uh, coaches give before the big game. Now, that, that might strike you as a little bit odd that I'm doing that in the car when no one else is in there, which would be true. Uh, but it might uh, strike you as even more odd if I were to tell you that I'm not actually the coach of anything <laughs> and, and don't plan on being the coach of anything, that I'm giving a, a pregame speech. I wouldn't be a very good coach. I love sports and all that. But since I know precious little about formations and plays and fundamentals and all that sort of stuff, I'd stink at coaching. Except for one part. I think I'd be pretty good at the pregame speech. <laughs> In fact, if there was ever a uh, coaching staff that had just one position, one coach, whose only job was to give the speeches, I think I could be that guy. <laughs> because I practice in the car and other times. And the reason I practice, this is the point I'm getting to, a particular pregame speech I practice, is that I've been to plenty of my children's sporting events, their, 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 their sports teams and stuff, and they've been privileged to have great coaches all along, but, but sometimes the pregame uh, talks uh, are just not very good. And in fact, uh, a couple months ago, a couple months ago, I was at one of my son's basketball tournaments. Uh, unfortunately, they lost the first game, uh, to a team they should have beaten, but then managed to play their way back. So the way the tournament worked out, they played that same team that they lost to in the, the final game. And before the game, the, the coach is giving his pregame speech, which was uh, lackluster at best. It was all negative. You guys blew it. You're losers. If you do that again, you'd all be losers again. And so I tuned him out rather than have bad thoughts and started practicing my own pregame speech, which is what I do. And then I practiced them further got a whole list. Um, and I got ideas about pregame speeches. You want to keep them pretty short. You want to have a little hook within there. I prefer the kind of more philosophical life lesson sort of uh, pregame speech rather than the rah-rah, go out there and tear their heads off kind of thing. So I'm practicing the, the speech that I got started there, and I've, I've been honing it in the car. And the, the gist of it is something like this. I'd say, men, even though they're only 11, it's a pregame speech, so you still call them men. That's part of the genre. Men, um, we really stunk it up out there in the first game. We did. There's, there's no denying that. And, and men, sometimes in life, sometimes in life when you stink it up, you just got to, to live with it. You're just stuck with it, and that's that. But sometimes, men, sometimes God smiles on you, and you get a do-over. And today, men, you get one of those. You get a do-over. And the thing about a do-over, men, is that when you get a do-over, you darn well better make it a do-better. Pretty cool, huh? Do-over. <laughs> Still working on it. That's the hook, though. Do-over, do-better. Come on, bring it in. One, two, three, go get them. So, mediocre at best, but I'm working on it. That's why I practice. The do-over, do-better speech. And I got a whole bunch of it in my head. And this one... <laughs> This one 
uh, came to me specifically because I was thinking about the, the reading for today. About this familiar figure, this Nicodemus guy. Uh, we know him as the man, Pharisee, elder, ruler. Uh, most of what we know about him comes from this famous colloquy he has with, with Jesus in, in John chapter 3. And I think Nicodemus is a guy who's looking for a do-over. You might be familiar with some of the, the contours of this conversation, how he, he comes to Jesus at night with his question, and it's, a, it's a, a posturing, maybe a little bit of nervous respect there. He says, Rabbi, we know that you are a man sent from God. And, and before he can even get his whole you know, practice speech out, Jesus, as he is wont to do, he more or less cuts him off, comes right to the chase, goes right to the heart. And to paraphrase, he says, I don't really care what we know. Let's talk about you. And you, Nicodemus, you, Nicodemus, you can't see a thing, know a thing about what God is up to, the reign of God, unless you're born again. Or born from above. It's the same word in Greek, means again or above. Unless you're born again, born from above, born renewed. And then this next line is the important one. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Now, usually when, I, when I've read that passage and probably preached on it, I've heard that as kind of a Nicodemus of being a little bit snarky. Maybe trying to cover up some, some, dis, some discomfort, crack a little joke at, at Jesus. A born again, ha ha, back in my mother's belly. But I read it differently this time. Instead of with snark, I hear with a little bit of sorrow, maybe a lot of sorrow. And instead of with a ha-ha, maybe it's with an alas, something like, indeed, Jesus, you have seen to the heart of things. You've seen that I come to you because I actually do need and somehow want a do-over. But I am old. How can a man be born? How can a man start fresh? How can a man be renewed when he is old? The word Nicodemus uses for old that implies he's, he's someone north of 60. <laughs> One philosopher says it's for people who are between 60 and 80. That might, that might fit some people who are present here today. He's old. He's got his habits. He's an old dog with his old tricks, a whole bunch of water under the bridge. More than that, he's a Pharisee. <laughs> he's respected. People expect certain things from a person like him. Not just a Pharisee, we're told he's a ruler, which means he's probably good at his job. He's practiced it. Practiced it. He's got his 10,000 hours behind him, and he's, he, he, he's mastered the job of ruler of the Pharisees. Maybe you get the picture. I hope I'm not reading too much into this one phrase, how can I be born when I am old? But I get the, the idea of someone who is trapped or feels trapped. The, the name Nicodemus literally means ruler of the people, but it could likewise mean ruled by the people. Here's one who feels ruled by all those expectations, all those people who look to him and say, you're upright and you're old and you're a ruler and you're a Pharisee. He's the sort of person who's supposed to have everything together, at least by the time he's 60, 70, 80 years old. And here he finds himself. 
coming to Jesus at night. Why? Because he's busy? No, because he probably looks and feels silly. (laughs) Here he is tiptoeing to Jesus like some teenager sneaking out of the house. Coming to this Jesus figure, maybe he feels a little bit something like, like the, uh, the, the 50-year-old non-traditional student may feel uh, slipping into the back row of the freshman seminar thinking to herself, what am I doing here? <laughs> Nicodemus thinking of all the sort of people who come to Jesus, those, the young folks, the, the women, the sick, the lame, the outcasts, kind of makes sense. People with no responsibilities, nothing to lose. They can come to Jesus and start over because they had nothing to begin with. What the heck am I doing here? How can a man be born? Start over, do over, when he is old. Even if you don't consider yourself old, I'm pretty sure we can all relate. Anyone who's ever wanted a do-over who's thought about going back to one particular place and time and thinking, man, if I could go back to then and start over, it'll all be different. Whether you're 67 or 47 or 17, we, we all have known and know the feeling of being trapped. Trapped by history. Trapped by your successes. Trapped, trapped by expectation. Maybe just ready to, to throw in the towel, throw up the arms and think there's no hope for change. Just stuck with whatever is. No hope for me. Maybe it's trapped by some memory, trapped by some hang-up. <laughs> I, I thought rather cynically, you know, what if Nicodemus was sitting there listening to me give the speech that I'll actually never give to any human being to, to his grandson or son, thinking to himself, sure, coach, <laughs> you might get some do-over in an 11-year-old's basketball tournament. We all know in the big things in life, the do-overs don't come so easily. You can think of a thousand ways. I, I thought maybe, maybe the one way that, that Nicodemus feels trapped, and I think of this because I think it's the way that the trap, maybe the way that the trappings, uh, the, the trappings in which the trappings most often come. Maybe there's some relationship that's just beyond rebirth for him that has him coming to Jesus. I was thinking this particularly is at a, uh, a funeral. Actually, I had the honor of doing a funeral at Arlington National Cemetery this, this past Tuesday. A decorated World War II vet, 97 years old, um, with all the pomp and circumstance. There's this beautiful, beautiful service that maybe I'll talk about someday. But what was less than beautiful um, were the, the two children of this man, two brothers, both of them who would count as old, who would not even look at each other. As we readied in like the, the gathering area at the cemetery, they and their respective families and small groups of friends stood 50 yards apart so that I had to kind of shuttle back and forth and, and, and talk, to, talk to either one. When I did that, they made mean comments about one another, clearly trying to justify to me without giving too much details why the reason for the separation was the other brother. I didn't get into it too much, but my res- in response to my one very small attempt at reconciliation or to probe exactly what was going on, the one brother said, Pastor, just too much for too long. In other words, too late for a do-over. Our resentment is too old. 
How can a brotherhood be rekindled when the enmity? How can a man be born when he's old? As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. That's how. It's Jesus' response. It's Jesus' response to Nicodemus and to you and me, to these brothers, to all the trapped, all those looking for a do-over, how to be born. In, in answer, Jesus points Nicodemus as the Pharisee back to a story that he would know well. He'd say, remember back in the day with Moses. How all those Israelites, oh, how trapped they were. How you can't be more trapped than to be on the ground writhing in pain as poison courses its way to your heart. Why? Because of your own dumb, stupid decisions you're reaping the rewards of. But remember, remember, Nicodemus, how God sent a healing an escape, how he made Moses put this bronze serpent up on a pole so that whoever looked at it would be saved and untrapped. And he says to Nicodemus, that's you. He says to you who are listening now, you are in the same exact desperate situation as those poor folks in the desert. But God has given something to make all the difference. God's given me, says Jesus. God has so loved the so trapped and so snake-bitten world that he has given his only begotten son. That trusting in him, you get untrapped. You get life. You get life now and hope forever. And Martin Luther famously called that the gospel in a nutshell, the good news of life for the perishing, the good news of freedom for the trap and trapped, and the good news of hope even for the old. <laughs> Can a man be born when he is old? Yes. Can a relationship be salvaged when it's been poisoned? Yes. Is there forgiveness for old sins? Hope for encrusted griefs? Freedom for even the most ironclad addictions? Yes, yes, and yes. Because God so loves you that he's given his son for you. Lifted up for you. Crucified, died, buried, as we say all the time. I mean, talk about trapped. You can't be older than dead. You can't be more trapped than in the ground. Jesus was both, but God raised him up. God birthed him from the, the grave to go on loving you forever. To tell you that you are loved with a love that is stronger than death. To tell you that you are loved with a love that makes even the oldest old new again. That's just not a do-over. It's a done-over. <laughs> for it's all been done and all for you. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.